Hi, Mark Middleton, along with Bill Schaefer, and welcome back to another edition of Growing Boulder, where we prove each and every week that it's never too late to create the life you want. On today's show, one of the top consumer advocates in the entire world with tips on bouncing back. Also, Mark, the researcher and skill acquisition expert who says you can learn almost anything in 20 hours or less. And the boomer expert on putting a little color in your life and the never-say-no grandmother who never lifted a weight until in her late 40s. And now 20 years later, she's a three-time world record holder. days it's all about saving money and still enjoying your life and nobody's better to figuring out how to do that than our next guest he is a major money guru <laughs> and one of america's top consumer advocates amen brother bill the author of 10 books including the new york times bestseller living large in lean times and his latest book is living for the long haul consumer tested ways to overhaul your finances increase your savings and get your life back on track let's welcome the host of the clark howard show Show, Mr. Clark Howard. Hey, Clark, how are you? Great. How are you doing today? We're doing fabulously. We greatly appreciate your time, and we don't want to waste a moment of it, so let's jump right in. Great concept for a book, because you have done what we do with our TV show. You use ordinary people as positive examples. I mean, basically, you took 50 normal folks who were beat up by the recession, and then you look at how they not only coped, but turned their financial fortunes around. How'd you pick these people? What I did is on ClarkHoward.com and then on my Twitter feed and then on my Facebook page, I solicited for people to submit to me their, their story. You know, did, did something happen in your life the last six years that was just a disaster, job-wise, financially, did you lose your home, whatever? Share your story if you're willing to share it with your fellow American. And we got thousands of people who responded and then started narrowing it down, narrowing it down to find stories that would cover a, a broad cross-section of the country and many different situations, and then started doing one-on-one -on -one interviews with people, and their interviews make up the book. And then at the end of each interview, I talk about what are the things that you can take away from it, what are the tips you can put to work in your own life, from each individual story. And, and Clark, what kind of things did you find that, that the takeaways involved? The thing that made me feel so great was how resilient we are as human beings. That some of the people I'd talked to, it's like, oh my God, how did you get through that? And, and then you hear how step-by-step, step, sometimes going the wrong direction at first, kind of muddling through, but with this sense that, that they could make it happen, how people turned it around, from people who lost jobs and came up with a new path in life, to people who got foreclosed on but had a, a better next chapter in their lives, to people who, by their own doing, ended up very heavily in debt and then worked their way out of it. And so the stories are divided into different theme areas of the book real estate, credit, cars, retirement, technology, investing. And so, you know, not everybody may be interested in everything in the book, even maybe half of what's in it, but they find what really appeals to them, read a story, and hopefully not only are inspired, but learn things that they can put to work in their own lives right away. Yeah, other, At least that was, the, that was my hope and my plan. Well, you know, it's, it's a great plan, and it's a great read with a lot of very practical information. And, and other than, you know, something general like resiliency, which, which I get, were there any common threads, Clark, that you found among those who did successfully weather it? Any type of personality traits? Any, any something that they did that uh, the rest of us can learn from? Yes. You know how sometimes in life things have to get bad enough before they get better? A lot of the, the people were just going along with life like they were, and then they got hit so hard by whatever the life circumstance was 
that it required them to do a major reset in their lives. We get into our zone, we get comfortable, we do things the way we're doing them, and it was almost like people's apple carts being upset so much was what led to people reinventing themselves so well. I mean, you, you take some of these people who had mountains of debt, and they reached a point where they were exhausted by the debt they had, and they do complete resets about how they did their lives so they could get rid of that debt. Now, speaking of reinvention, who knows better than you, Clark, uh, what that's all about? Look at your own career. Do you? You never could have predicted how big you would have gotten and how popular you would have gotten. Are you appalled by how little most of us really know or take control of our own financial situations? Well, I think it's just that life happens. And a lot of people find uh, the whole thing of saving and investing is boring or irrelevant because They don't expect ever to get old, right? And then they do. So my job is to demystify this stuff, to take things that that can seem intimidating or dull or boring and try to make them approachable. You know, if you you haven't been saving for retirement, well, try these steps to get going. And in 10 minutes' time, you'll be on your way to starting to save in a Roth IRA. The idea is to take stuff that becomes just noise in people's lives and make it make sense to them. You know, Clark, you obviously are doing something very well. I read something about your demographics, which I think is really, really interesting. The majority of your radio audience is male. Uh, your TV audience is predominantly female, and your web audience is largely younger people. You, my friend, are getting to everybody, which really isn't easy. Well, I'll tell you how that came about, because that is a business plan. What, what we do as a team is we look at the product I have to sell as information, that what I provide to people is the information, and to go out and reach people wherever it is they want to be reached, whether it's a podcast, traditional radio show, TV, um, through social media, wherever it is that somebody has a need for the information I have, I want to reach them. And so if somebody's younger, and they want to know more through Facebook, they're going to find it at my Facebook page. So to serve the listener, the customer, the reader, the watcher, wherever they are, however they want to be reached. Boy, and one of the uh, scariest things now for people is, is health care. They don't really know what to ex- None of us know what to expect. None of us know what's going to happen yeah. around the corner. And in the book, you share a story of an uninsured man who ended up finding a way to pay like a fraction of what he would have ended up paying for major surgery. Yeah, it's called medical tourism. And he was facing an operation that he did a good job shopping around. The price range for the heart surgery he needed ranged from one hundred and fifty to $300,000. He got the whole thing, including all his travel, for less than ten grand by going overseas. Hmm. And a, Clark, medical if you, if... tourism... Is big now. It's not talked about much, but a lot of Americans faced with either only partial reimbursement from insurance or they're uninsured go overseas for both medical care and dental care. You know, Clark, uh, pet peeves are a funny thing, you know, and sometimes they're, they're, they're kind of irrational. Uh, you know, we listen to you quite a bit, and, and you'll go off on just about anything. What, what's your biggest pet peeve with, with American consumers today? What irks you the most that we do? When we conspire against ourselves, well, let's take an example. Somebody will call me and they'll ask, should I get an extended warranty on the new flat screen TV I'm buying? And, I'll, and instead of answering that question, I'll ask them, well, tell me about your family. And they'll talk how proud they are of their kids and all that. And I'll say, well, do you have life insurance that if you passed away, your kids would have coverage? No. Do you have disability insurance if you couldn't work? and it would provide income for your spouse and your kids? No. You know, a lot of times we worry about the thing at that moment instead of the big picture. Never take your eye off the target, the big picture. We are talking with the great Clark Howard. Thanks so much for doing what you do for for everybody around the country. There's nobody that cannot benefit by listening to you on the radio, and by reading your books, especially Living for the Long Haul. And for more information on Clark, anything you need to turn your life around, don't hesitate. Check it out at ClarkHoward.com.
Com. Coming up next, the legacy of a young girl taken way too soon and more words of wisdom from Wendy. Obstacles, we all face them and we all have a decision to make. Do we let ourselves get knocked down or do we get up swinging? I'm Wendy Chioji and I'll help you answer that question ahead on Growing Boulder. Support for Growing Boulder provided by Advent Health, introducing the Feel Whole Challenge, a 21-day program offering big improvements through small steps. Taking a walk, making a smoothie, changes that encourage whole person health. More information at feelwholechallenge.com. And by The Legacy Life Project from Macbeth Studio, preserving family history, stories, and memories for generations to come by creating personal video biographies of your loved ones. Everyone has a story worth preserving. LegacyLifeProject.com. I'm Bill Schaefer with Mark Middleton, and this is Growing Boulder. And It was just about a year ago that we first shared with you the story of Talia Joy Castellano, a 12-year-old who really had battled cancer most of her life. Yeah, Talia became an Internet sensation when her YouTube channel evolved into a global platform where a little girl with a big personality and the determination to match pretty much became one of the world's most powerful and effective advocates for children with cancer. And it was absolutely heartbreaking when Talia lost her battle, but not before teaching us all a lesson about chasing our dreams and striving to make a difference in the lives of others. Talia Castellano's photo album contained the kind of memories the children shouldn't have. This was when I first got diagnosed before I lost my hair when I was seven. Seven. Talia battled a rare childhood cancer for more than half of her life. When we visited, Talia had just learned that the cancer had spread to her bone marrow and that she had a second cancer, pre-leukemia. It's just the thought of it to just be able to say, all right, well, we gotta kick it again. I mean, You don't want to give up, but it's hard to say whether or not you want to continue with it on the third time of it happening for almost five and a half years. Talia's dream of becoming a celebrity makeup artist was born when she began losing her hair from chemotherapy. When I would put a wig on, I felt not fake, but just not me. And I felt like I was hiding myself and I didn't feel right, and it it itched, so I took it off. (laughs) But at first I had very, very low self-esteem. I didn't, I didn't like the way I looked at all. That's when Talia discovered what she called the magic of makeup. I realized the makeup was making me feel so much more better about myself, and then eventually I was, it kind of clicked that I was using makeup as my wig. Makeup is my wig became Talia's slogan. She launched a YouTube channel where her makeup reviews and tutorials began attracting thousands of fans. I have one blush and one highlighter. Holy crap. Like, you guys are going to be like, you're 12, Talia. You don't need to wear that. But it actually looks really, like, pretty and natural. It's cool. It didn't take long for subscribers to begin asking about her health. Why are you bald? What kind of cancer do you have? How long have you had it? What do you do? The more Talia talked about her cancer, the more subscribers she attracted, ultimately reaching 1 million subscribers and over 60 million video views. My stepdad told me that I had like 6 million texts. I was like, what? It's not possible. Okay, maybe it is. She had a big personality and a big stage presence and... She was captivating, and uh, she captivated the world. Just days after her last relapse, Talia spoke fearlessly to her fans. And there's nothing really out there that treats both type of cancers. They're both very, very serious and very, very aggressive cancers, and they spread very quickly, and they're both very, very deadly. Um, We'll put it that way, and I'm being straight up about that. 
Talia's dream was to be on Ellen and meet Ellen DeGeneres. It's going to happen? Of course. I mean, it should. So please welcome Talia. Within days, it did. I'm like shaking. I love you so much. I love you so much too, Talia. You're so amazing. I can't believe you're 13 years old. Woo. Okay, <laughs> shake it off. Shake it off. Ellen made Talia an official cover girl, showered her with gifts, and hired her to do celebrity interviews at the iHeart Radio Festival. Let's not pretend that when I walked in here, what did I say to you? I love your makeup. I said I love your makeup. I had no idea she was a makeup girl. I just said. That makeup is beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. Talia used her growing fame to raise awareness for childhood cancer, and while she never stopped fighting, she fully understood the reality of her situation. They said four months to a year, and if you're younger than 12, I don't know if you would comprehend what I'm saying. This is the last video she posted seven weeks before her death. I just wanted to say I love you guys, and I'm, I am I really miss you, and I really, 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 really love you, and I hope you guys are having a, a good day. Yeah. All right. Love you guys. Bye. Mwah. She wanted her footprints and her pamphlets left behind, which I believe she has. And she wanted other children and families not to have to struggle like she did. She wanted to find a cure for childhood cancer. And it's really not fair for kids to have cancer, and it really freaking sucks. It sucks freaking so badly. I mean, we have the brains to figure it out, to find the cure. We just don't have the funding. Well, Talia certainly will be missed, and Bill and I were both fortunate to have spent some time with her because to know Talia is to understand that there truly was something very unique about her. You know, the question is not whether you'll get knocked down. You will. We all do, and more than once. But the question is, how many times do you get back up? Here's Wendy Chioji with a quick GB pep talk. Hi, I'm Wendy Chioji. It's no secret that life will knock us down and count us out if we let it. Growing Bolder is about the art of the comeback. It's about standing up and fighting for all that life has to offer. We've talked to countless survivors on Growing Bolder, men, women, and children who have overcome disease and disability, who have survived tragic accidents and unfortunate circumstances. And what we have learned is that attitude can determine your future. The good news is that we rarely fight life's battles alone. We all need the help and encouragement of our family and friends. We all need the examples of others who have overcome what we're now facing. And that's where Growing Bolder comes in. We provide the examples of hope and inspiration that can make a difference in your battles. So the next time life knocks you down, get up and start swinging. Great lesson, Wendy. One we all try to teach our kids and our grandkids, but you know it's one that sometimes we have trouble applying to our own lives, the ability to bounce back. It's a huge part of growing bolder. Coming up next, why do so many of us fail when it comes to learning new skills? Our next guest says you can learn just about anything in 20 hours or less, and he's going to tell us how. This is Growing Bolder. Support for Growing Boulder provided by the Center for Health and Well-Being, now open in Winter Park. Wholeness, fitness, and medicine together in one convenient location, offering programs and services to promote healthy living and positive aging. More at yourhealthandwellbeing.org. 
Sign up for the Growing Boulder Insider Newsletter, delivered to your inbox every week. Be the first to see our latest interviews, stories, and tips for making each day count. Sign up today at growingbolder.com. I'm Bill Schaefer along with Mark Middleton, and this is Growing Bolder. And our next guest today is someone you're going to find very interesting. He's an independent researcher and a learning and skill acquisition expert whose research focuses on helping people learn how to make more money, how to get more done, really how to have more fun. Yeah, he does it well, so not surprisingly, he is the author of two international bestsellers, The Personal MBA, Master the Art of Business, was his first, and his newest, The First 20 Hours. How to Learn Anything Fast. Let's find out how as we welcome Josh Kaufman. Hey, Josh, how are you? I'm wonderful. How are you? Uh, well, I love the idea of learning anything in 20 hours. So, so let's start there because almost all of us have heard Malcolm Gladwell's thesis that it takes 10,000 hours to master a new skill. But to be clear, you're not actually talking about mastery in 20 hours. And in fact, you don't even like the concept of mastery, do you? Right. You know, it's, it's when you're getting started learning something new, it's really easy to, to fall prey to that misconception that it takes a really long time. It takes a, a, a lot of energy to, to learn something new. That's really not true. Um, many people have heard of the, of the 10,000-hour rule that Malcolm Gladwell talks about in his book, Outliers. Uh, the research behind that is, is valid as far as it goes. The, the problem is when we decide to learn something, we're really not focused on becoming the very, very best person in the world at, at that particular point in time. We just want to get value from it. And so if you want to learn something for work, if you want to learn something for just your own personal enjoyment, you can go from knowing absolutely nothing about pretty much anything to being really, really good. And it doesn't take a whole lot of time. Uh, my research indicates it, it's around 20 hours. So that's a pretty good point you bring up, Josh. I mean, I, I, think, I wonder, do you think it's that we're more intimidated to learn new skills, or is it just hard to do it? I think it's, it's intimidating, and the first few hours of practicing anything are very, very frustrating for, for everyone. And, you know, as, as adults, we really don't take well to the experience of trying to do something and, you know, not being able to do it. And so uh, those first hours, when, when you just kind of jump in and start dabbling, most of the time it's harder than we expect it to be. Uh, but if you're able to push through those, those first couple of frustrating hours, uh, you'll find yourself improving very, very quickly. And that's, that's what six to seven decades of psychological research really tells us. If we spend uh, just a few hours practicing in a very specific way, in, in an intelligent way, you can improve extremely quickly. In a very real way, Josh, maybe one of the most important parts of uh, of actually being good at something is is being okay with being bad at it for at least a little while. Absolutely, yeah. It's a uh, a lot of people have this misconception that that children learn faster than adults. That's not really true. Uh, the The advantage that children have is they're way less self conscious about the process of trying something and it not working. Uh, so, for example, you know, a, a toddler learning to walk, uh, when they fall down, they, they don't curse themselves and say, I'm just terrible at walking. I'll never get this, right? They just pick themselves up and they try it again. And so a lot of what you can do to help yourself learn faster is to uh, put together a strategy, to think about it, to research it, and to make sure those first uh, few hours of practicing, you're practicing in an intelligent way that will help you improve. Old dog, new tricks. Do those two go together? Absolutely. There's, <laughs> there is no maximum age uh, for, for learning how to do something new. I actually uh, heard from uh, a reader that there's a, a lady, she's, she's 90 years old, and she's just now sitting down to, to learn how to play the piano because she's always wanted to. She's just not, never done it. And so you know, what's, what's nice about, uh, about learning as an adult is – we can develop a strategy. We can, we can rely on the things that we already know how to do and use that to learn new skills. And, and so we're able to, to take this experience and do just a little bit of research and learn things in a deliberate way instead of a haphazard way. You know, Josh, I think we've touched on a couple of these, but, but, but kind of clean it up for us a bit, if you will. Give us a couple of tips. What do we need to do or learn in order to become quick learners, to, to, to begin to learn new skills? 
Sure. The, the first thing to do is to decide what you want, which sounds very simple, but most people don't do it. So instead of, of um, saying to yourself uh, something really broad, like, for example, if you want to learn uh, a language, um, instead of saying something very broad like, I want to learn Italian, that's a really big thing. So the, the very first thing to do is decide exactly what learn Italian means. What do you want to be able to do? Do you want to travel to Italy and, and book hotels and talk to waiters in restaurants and uh, have a good time doing it? That's something more specific. It's something you can actually do something with. Once you decide what you want, and I, I call this defining a target performance level, you deconstruct the skill into smaller parts. So instead of trying to practice everything at once, you just break it down into smaller and smaller things that you can practice uh, one at a time. It makes the entire process uh, way more efficient and way less frustrating. As you're doing this deconstruction, a little bit of research helps a lot. And so picking up three to five books on the topic uh, or courses or DVDs or whatever instructional material you can find, what that helps you do is identify which of the sub-skills are most important. What can you practice first that will give you the most bang for your hour? And Josh, I was going to say, not only is it good not to be afraid to try to learn new skills, but it seems like there's tons of evidence out there that shows that the process of learning new things is not only good for your brain health, but it can help people overcome depression and and all kinds of other things as well. Oh, absolutely. You know, it's one of the best things in this world is to have some project that you're excited about, right? So it's one of those things that um, we all, I, in, in my experience, we all have this thing in the back of our minds that we've wanted to learn how to do for a really long time. And that may be something that, that you can use to improve your business or your, or your career. Could be some hobby that just uh, looks interesting. You've never done it before. Uh, but, you know, th- this is the, the, the process of learning new things, in, in my opinion, is what makes life fun, what ma- makes life interesting. And the, the more things that you explore, uh, the more likely it is you're going to find something uh, that that you'll be able to continue to do and enjoy for many years to come. Well, you know, Josh, we love your book because it's based upon scientific research that, that really validates what, what we do almost every week on this program, and that is, uh, you know, we share anecdotal evidence from real people who prove that it is never too late to learn new skills, never too late to reinvent themselves. And now you're here to tell us that, yes, scientifically that is true, and, and that it applies to everybody, not just exceptional human beings. Absolutely. Yeah, what, what becomes very clear from the research when you actually dig into the psychological journals, uh, uh, papers that have been done researching this topic, is our brains are designed to learn fast. That's what they're there for. That's what they do. And so really, uh, the, the, what, what, you, what is really valuable in, in learning how to learn something uh, new and quickly is not you know, these, these brain tricks of how to make your brain work faster. Your brain already works fast enough. That's what it's there for. Uh, the real trick is when you decide to learn something new, do it in a way that minimizes the, the, that exper- the early experience of frustration and intimidation. And if you can get yourself to the point of putting just a few hours into learning something new, you'll find yourself improving way more quickly than you expected. All right, Josh, thanks so very much. His book is called The First 20 Hours, How to Learn Anything Fast. Josh Kaufman, kind of a shortcut expert because he can help you get from here to there. And you can learn more at joshkaufman.net. Coming up next, how to be colorful, clever, and creative. This is Growing Boulder. When the glimpse of our past fades away so fast, like a castanet dance in the night. When the glimpse of our past fades away so fast, like a castanet dance in the night. Shabby chorus popping late at night, laughing stars falling out of sight. Support for Growing Boulder provided by 
Winter Park's new Crosby Wellness Center at the Center for Health and Well-Being. More than just a gym, it features unique medically integrated programs, activities for all ages and skill levels, and free group exercise classes with memberships. More at CrosbyWellnessCenter.org. Stay connected to Growing Boulder for daily doses of hope, inspiration, and possibility. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for our latest stories and motivational pictures. My guard stood hard when abstract threats to noble, to neglect. Bill Schaefer here along with Mark Middleton, and this is Growing Boulder. Our next guest is a very inspirational and motivating woman. She's an artist, a businesswoman, an author, a focus group facilitator, a minister, a blogger. <sighs> Take it from here, Mark. i got to catch my breath. <laughs> yeah, a whole lot more than that. She is a boomer lady thought leader. In fact, her blog, Be Brave, Lose the Beige, is designed to help other boomer women be all that they can be by discovering their own playful spirits, by being colorful, creative, and clever. Let's find out how she does exactly that as we welcome the multi-talented, very colorful Liz Kitchens. Hey, Liz. Hi, Mark. Hi, Bill. Thank you so much for that wonderful introduction. Uh, I'm flattered. Well, we appreciate uh, that you're taking the time to chat with us. You say that Be Brave, Lose the Beige, Liz, is not really about losing beige from your wardrobe, although you do recommend that. But it, but it's a lot more than that. It's about making different lifestyle choices. What are the choices you talk about the most that you recommend? Well, Be Brave, Lose the Beige is kind of what I call a microscript, um, and it really encourages and urges women of the baby boomer generation. Actually, we're pretty inclusive in those age categories, anyone between 40 and 80, frankly. And it's really about discovering their own colorful spirits. And like you said, Mark, it's not just about wardrobe or the color of your walls. It's really more that in many cases, the lives of boomer women and, you know, pretty much every woman, but have turned beige by all the responsibilities and obligations that they have faced for years. I mean, women really wear a lot of hats and sometimes multitasking all these roles leads to multitaxing our spirits. And so just to be able to access some of these issues with women of my generation, because I have to say I'm cresting towards 60 as well, um, color kind of helps access some of these issues. Some of the interesting things that you've worked on, Liz, are involve some of the things that you talked about a few issues, but the many common things that boomer women in particular do face. Like, what are the needs of a boomer woman these days? What are the fears? What are the major lifestyle issues that somebody in this life stage has to face? Such a good point. Well, as you know, as we transition into retirement, for example, that's kind of a, a good area for us. Or as we face an empty or perhaps not so empty nest, those are issues that that we take on. We take on, I mean, we, we've kind of postponed our dreams and si- maybe silent aspirations for years as we have tended to the needs of others. And even now, at this juncture in our lives, when we might like to begin thinking about our own retirements, we're we're often um, parenting adult children who have had to move back into our homes because of the economy, for example, and also tending to aging parents who are, you know, are, are dying. And so, again, we are faced with the prospect of postponing some of these, these, these dreams. They're almost, a, you know, women are so funny. They, they almost whisper to me some of the things that they really want to be able to do. Like we, my partner and I, Jackie Sorensen, in this little endeavor, um, conduct workshops, uh, Lady Boomer workshops, and we try to come up with kind of funny and clever titles like Ohm for the Holidays, and it features, mm-hmm. you mentioned the the, the, uh, the artistic renderings, but it features a Santa, a clay Santa seated in a yoga position. But the message really is, you know, how can you make these holidays 
a little less frenzied? How can you breathe through the holidays? Um, so we use color and kind of playful artistic images as a way to tackle some of these relevant issues women have faced for years. You know, you know, Liz, Bill and I see this as well, you know, because we're kind of swimming in the same pool that you are. There, there, there is really this seething undercurrent uh, among women of a certain age. You know, what's next? What can I do? How can I do it? But at the same time, you know, because they've never done it, they're afraid. Uh, you you, you got to let go. You got to take a chance. How, how do you help women take that first step? How do you convince them that they can put more color in their life and, and that they can let go? Well... I, I love that um, that question. We, I mean, very simple kinds of things, and we recommend baby steps because big steps scare people. Um, they'd scare me too. Um, and for example, we have you know come up with a list of ten things you can do to lose the beige. And if you'd like, I can mention a couple of these. Yeah, please do. The first on our list is exercise your creativity. And, you know, we kind of understand and that's we understand that if people choose to live their lives a little bit more creatively, and it doesn't have to be a seismic change or anything, just a little bit more, you start owning your own time. You start really owning your own life. And the way to exercise your creativity, and as an aside to illustrate that that concept, I created this little uh wacky clay um, artist uh, artist palette, you know, exercising, doing, you know, push-ups with, her, with his arms. Um, and it's, you know, we understand that uh, the need to exercise our minds and our bodies, I mean, that's kind of built in. We, know, we recognize the validity of that. But somehow when we get past the age of 10, we start thinking less about exercising our creative muscles. And just like those mental and physical muscles that aren't engaged, so do our creative muscles begin to atrophy. And by encouraging a little more, you know, creative stuff in your lives, then that helps you live your life in a fuller, richer way. So that's the kind of start there. And then another thing that we mention in these 10 ways is introduce a little more color in your daily life. Somehow color and whimsy can make even the most mundane task a little more fun. And then for you know women in particular, we, we say analyze that purse chaos. Um, I mean, and every woman gets this. You know, why you don't even have to go to a psychologist if you analyze your purse a little bit. It can be pretty revealing about the kind of baggage you're carrying around. So there's a psychological element to a lot of the things we say. Um, go from working full-time to living full-time. Even if you do have to work, try to come up with a, a, more choices about um, how you spend your time. I mean, go to a yoga class in the middle of the day, even if you have to write a report at night. That's choosing to live your life a little bit more creatively, a little bit on your own terms. Another one is park it, plant it, pedal it, preserve it. I love alliteration, if you can't tell by that. Um, try parking your cars and bicycling to your destination once in a while. It's a fun way to help protect the planet. So that's another, you know, just a little bit more creativity in your life. Liz, there are so many great ways to get the motivation to take that step and get out. And it's all part of the book, Be Brave, Lose the Beige. And you can find out more about it at BeBraveLoseTheBeige.com. We've been talking with the uh, fascinating Liz Kitchens. And get out there, boomer women, and make something happen. Coming up next, now in her late 60s, she's the queen of the bench press, and she never lifted a single weight until her late 40s. This is Growing Bolder.
support for Growing Boulder provided by Advent Health, introducing the Feel Whole Challenge, a 21-day program offering big improvements through small steps, like a daily walk, making smoothies, changes that encourage whole person health. More information at feelwholechallenge.com. Subscribe to Growing Boulder Magazine, now with more information, articles, and photos than ever before. This quarterly publication is unlike any other, filled with the kind of inspiration you need to live your life to the fullest. More information at growingbolder.com slash subscribe. My guard stood hard when abstract threats to noble, to neglect. I'm not sure what you were expecting, but... This is Growing Boulder, where we exceed expectations on a regular basis. Bill Schaefer here with Mark Middleton and our next guest. You're going to love a great-grandmother who, by her own admission, she became sedentary in life, out of shape, even obese. But she's another example that it's never too late. Never too late to take up a hobby. Never too late to improve your overall health and fitness. Yeah, in midlife, she had some serious health issues. So at 48, she took up weightlifting. And not until she was 60 did she actually become serious about competing. And what do you hear what happened? Let's say hello to the world record holder in her age group in the bench press and the deadlift, Winifred Pristel. Hey, Winifred, how are you? Good morning. I'm doing just fine. Oh, man, I can't wait to hear your story. Let's tell the folks that you are soon to be 68. You're on top of the world in your events, but you've not always been like that. Take us back to your mid-40s when you were at your worst. What were you like then? What did you do on a daily basis? Well, I, we have to back up a little bit. You said I'm 68. I'm 74. Ooh. Whoa. That's not backing up. That's going forward. I apologize for that. 74, you should be proud of your age. I am. I'm looking forward to 75, which is going to be in December. Then after that, yeah, 80 is right around the corner. That's a pleasant one, too. So, Winifred, take us back to when you were in your 40s. What were you like then, and what was wrong? Well, I was working. I was a barber, and I was working long hours and working very hard. The only thing I was doing is drinking and going to work and eating. And uh, one time I was taking a bath. I thought I was dying. So I asked my daughter, would she walk with me? And uh, I couldn't walk a block. But in the course of a year, I was walking three miles a day, five days a week. That's when I went to the gym. My daughter took me there. So it was really hitting the bottom that made you decide you had to do something about it. And not only. Absolutely right. It's just like any other alcoholic or whatever you want to call you. You don't straighten up your life until you do hit rock bottom. Uh, before we talk about your competing, I've read somewhere uh, something you say that I really, really like, and that is, you know, you had arthritis back in your mid-40s. You could barely move. Now you advise seniors uh, that are in wheelchairs and walkers that they can actually get up, get out of the chair, and throw away their walkers. Do you really believe that? Oh, yes, I really do, because I do know if I wasn't uh, exercising like I do, a person don't have to do the same thing I do as long as they do something that they love to do. Uh, uh, they need to get, they will get out of a wheelchair, because if I wasn't exercising, I would be in one. That's an like, Since I got authorized everywhere, it keeps, you have to keep the body moving. Well, not you only... have to work the body, work the body, anything you like to do. You've got to work it. Winifred, not only is it incredible that you worked your body, but you have worked it up to the point where you are the triple crown record holder in the bench press. Tell us, what is the triple crown in the bench press, and how much are you cranking these days? Well, I don't know what you mean by triple, triple crown, or do you mean state and national and world world records yeah i have all of those <laughs> man that's unbelievable but, how much do you bench press well my my bench press i did on channel four you it doesn't come to you though uh i i bench press 185 whoa but my world record is 167 oh man 
Hey, uh, you are smashing stereotypes, and that is one of the many things we like about you because we've all been told that as you get older, you have to lose strength and you have to lose muscle mass, and you're proving that's not true, right? That's true because uh, uh, I'm getting stronger as I get older. Now, see, when you think about uh, where I got the arthritis at real bad, it's my knees, I do deadlifting, I can pick up. Uh, 278 pounds off of the floor, uh, and I have arthritis there. But you got to keep it moving. You got to work it. So what you're trying to tell us, Winifred, is that even though we all have aches and pains in life, yeah. there's there's, uh-huh. there's no excuse for staying on the couch. Is that your story? That's it. Uh, I'm not a couch potato. Definitely not that. You, you I don't care what a person. <clears throat> like to do, they they got to get off the couch. Uh, that's what I used to do is be on the couch. I'd come home for work. I'd fall asleep on the couch. And uh, now only thing I think a, uh, a bed is good for is to lay down and get some rest and get up and start your day and uh, uh, do what you have to do. Uh, so uh, laying around is not a good thing. You have to move it. Uh, I see it where I live all the time, people in wheelchairs and walkers. They come to the building where I am. They're walking just fine. And before you know it, they're on a walker or a cane. And before you know it, they're gone. See, I live in a senior building where uh, if you aren't disabled or senior, they can't live here. But So I see a lot of uh, sickness here. Folks, this is really our favorite kind of interview here on Growing Boulder. You're listening to uh, soon-to-be-75, Winifred Pristel, an ordinary person who has overcome extraordinary health challenges to become the state, national, and world record holder at 75 in the bench press. If she can do it, you can do it, too. Hey, Don't forget the deadlift. Don't forget the deadlift. She can also deadlift 200 pounds. So, Winifred, before we let you— 278. 278 pounds. On arthritic knees. On arthritic knees. Winifred, we got 25 seconds left. Give us, oh, the, Tell oh. us the moral of your story. Give us a pep talk. What do you want people to know out there about the possibility in life? Well, the possibility in life is just only, it's only one thing. Get up off the couch, move the body, eat real well, but smaller meals, don't eat all day, don't eat that junk food, cook your food. Uh, from scratch, and you would see how much better you feel. Well, Winifred, we feel better just listening to you talk because when you hear it from someone who has done it, it makes all the difference in the world. We want to thank you for taking the time to come on the program and inspire the rest of us to keep our health to keep working out, and to stay as healthy as we can moving forward. Folks, you have been listening to the 75-year-old weightlifting champion, Winifred Pristel. Thanks, Winifred. You know, Bill, this was a bit of a bouncing back episode from Wendy Chioji's pep talk about bouncing back from personal setbacks to Clark Howard's tips for bouncing back from tough financial times. That's a great point, Mark, because Winifred Pristel's story was about bouncing back from health and fitness issues and even Josh Hoffman telling us we can learn anything in 20 hours. They were all very different stories, but all a part of growing bolder, the philosophy that you can change your life if you just try. Yeah, and of course, we're here to help 24-7. You can find Growing Boulder not only here on the radio, but also Growing Boulder TV, GrowingBolder.com, and Growing Boulder Magazine. And if you haven't already, find us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and we'll keep you up to date on all things Growing Boulder. See you next time. Growing Boulder is a production of Boulder Broadcasting. All rights reserved. This program was recorded live at Growing Boulders Studios in Orlando and is available as a weekly podcast on NPR One, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play Music, Stitcher, and TuneIn. It is written and produced by Jill Middleton, Mark Middleton, and Bill Schaefer. Executive producers are Jackie Carlin, Robert Thompson, and Emily Thompson. Technical director is Jason Morrow. 
Production Manager is Michael Nannis. Director of Technology is Joshua Doolittle. Chief Audio Engineer is Mac Dula. And our most important team member is you. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram to keep growing bolder every day. Crimson flames tied through my ears, flowing high and mighty trap. Countless fire and flaming rope, using ideas as my map. We'll meet on edges soon, said I. So much older than 